Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at TheHuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo. But then again, I'm not sure for how long with how bad this fantasy season is going for me. Hopefully, it's going much better for my partner in crime, Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it going for you, my man? Well, after a very successful week three, week four was, let's just say, sweepable under the rug. But uh, unfortunately, I mean, every year you've got a couple weeks that just don't go your way. And certainly, we had a lot of uh, suspense. Vicious plays that didn't pay off, and only a few that really did hit. I mean, obviously, I'm very happy that we uh, suggested everyone play Dawson Knox last week at tight end. I think that uh, they're, everyone's very, very happy to see him walk away with two touchdowns. And I don't know. It, just, it felt like week five was just a little off. Yeah. I'm sorry, week four was just a little off. And you, you saw it, too, in, in with the weather finally starting to become a factor in a couple games and... Players just, they didn't look like themselves. Yeah, well, when you've got Christian McCaffrey and Devontae Adams, and I can't complain about Tyreek Hill, um, and Alvin Kamara's and Saquon Barkley's all over the place, it makes for a tough season so far. Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, in Kamara's case, he set a new record for number of carries in a game for himself, but he got zero receptions. That's that, That's just weird yeah i thought there was something wrong with the um stats reporting on that because i was like that it can't be possible not a single catch i mean how how it wasn't like there was 50 mile an hour winds or anything well as we speak about weird happenings with weather and what weather related things it is monday night and we've got the uh game on the background that's being played in lovely southern california uh and there's a weather delay <laughs> <laughs> So there you a go. Weather delay in Southern California. There we go. Week four in a nutshell. Yeah. No, I was going <coughs> to say the 2021 season in a nutshell for me. Anyway, um, well, I don't know. I think I'd rather take a rain or I should say weather delay from Southern California rather than a Sunday morning early London game any day of the week. Actually, for that well, matter. You know, you know it's going to be rainy and wet there. So and for that matter, it just, always is. Just give me Ted Lasso on Friday night instead of a Sunday morning NFL game, especially when it's the Jets and Falcons. <laughs> so, Jets and Falcons. I, I mean, I, I think that the footballers are going to be laughing very heavily at American football when, we, when they realize that that's what we sent them to watch. I think the Jets and Falcons are like the translation of the world needs ditch diggers, too, or something like that, right? Not that there's anything well, wrong with digging ditches. 
they couldn't even send London their own team like the Jags. I mean, they've kind of been the quote-unquote home team in London for the last couple of years. Yeah. I think they would rather see the rookie quarterback there for the Jags than these two Ham and Egger teams. Very true. Very true. Well, I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. It's not tea and crumpets, unfortunately. Um, I'm looking forward to what Harley has to say in this week's Blitz Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Joe Mixon is being listed as day-to-day after departing Thursday's contest with a lower ankle sprain. Of course, Mixon missed most of last season with a different minor foot ailment. I really wanted to make a joke about how fragile Mixon has become, but in the process of writing this blurb, I realized that my foot was also hurting, and all I've been doing is sitting on the couch writing the news. So with that in mind, I'll give Mr. Mixon a pass this week. (laughs) Andy Reid has informed the media that Josh Gordon may be active week five versus the Buffalo Bills. In related news, Reid has also decided to get ahead of the news by informing the media that Josh Gordon may be suspended for week six. (laughs) I would like to congratulate the NFL for discovering the secret to time travel. This past week, Aaron Rodgers threw two touchdowns to Randall Cobb. Ryan Fitzpatrick has basically lost his starting job due to an injury. The Patriots had two different tight ends score a touchdown. Josh Gordon returned from a suspension. And Tom Brady won a game at Foxborough. Color me excited for what blast from the past we might see this week. Maybe someone like Carlos Hyde or Tavon Austin or Le'Veon Bell might even make an appearance. (laughs) Through four games, Derrick Henry has more receptions than Elvin Kamara. This is amazing since Henry had only 76 total receptions over his first five seasons combined, while Kamara has never finished with less than 81 receptions in a single season. Now, it is clear that Henry is seeing more targets because all of Tennessee's wide receivers are hurt. Meanwhile, all of New Orleans' wide receivers are also hurt or underperforming. So what is his damn excuse? (laughs) And finally, Rob Gronkowski missed week four and is doubtful for week five as he is dealing with four cracked ribs, one broken rib, and a punctured lung, which you may find surprising is more bodily damage than he sustained during his entire WWE wrestling title reign. <laughs> this has been this week's BPN News Update. My gosh, I forgot about that, the title reign. And The 24-7 champion, I think he was? Yeah. And, and you know what? It, you're not very off-base, far-fetched for what you said about Gordon, but hopefully it's not true. <laughs> hopefully it's not well, true. I was just thinking about the wrestling really thing there. I, I wonder what happened if we could get our uh, our man EY to go up against Gronkowski in a title match. Um, EY would mop the floor with him. <coughs> you would think. <laughs> and I'm first of all, one, I believe that. And two, I'd say it even if I didn't believe it, because I've got a better chance of running into EY than I do Gronk. And I don't want EY to make me pay for that. It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> all right. So let's talk about it. We're going to do two segments tonight. We're going to do our normal DFS stuff. Um, pay up, stay away, and value plays. And then we're going to do a segment on give or take. And basically it's going to be, let's see, what do we got here? 
five running backs, five wide receivers, and three tight ends. And we're going to say, if we were doing a trade, if we would be giving or taking that guy in the trade. How's that sound? Okay. So- sounds interesting. When you first mentioned give or take, I thought maybe we were going to have an explicit conversation about Urban Myers. <sighs> no comment. <sighs> <laughs> <sighs> Goodness gracious. <sighs> really, that's about all I can say. I'll do it one more time. I'll give him one more sigh. <sighs> okay. You know, Urban Myers didn't make this week's news. Shocking. I thought he was. Just, I think I'm just, I'm just, I'm waiting for him to get fired so I can just include that as a bit. You could make a bit where he can include, you can include him every week till that happens. Um, well, it is a good question though. Which, which coach is going to be fired first in the NFL? Oh, um, what's his name? Um, Adam Gase. Oh, <laughs> does he still have a job? No, but they should fire him again for what he did in New York. <laughs> okay. I, I thought maybe we'd, we'd see a firing of, uh, of the younger Belichick after all the uh, memes that went out this weekend with him making weird faces on the camera. <laughs> I actually think he did that on purpose. I do. I think he was trying to, pl- I think he was trolling everybody by doing that. Didn't seem natural. Never seen him do it before. Right. He's been on camera before. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, who would be the first coach? Fire- you know what? It could be Matt Nagy. N- Nagy. I think a lot of people want to be the first coach fired and, uh, probably won't be. I, I- he won't be. I mean, they keep talking about that they're going to go back to Dalton no matter what happens as soon as Dalton's ready to play. And uh, I mean, obviously, getting Dalton back probably improves the a lot in life, at least of Allen Robinson this season. But I mean, we saw this past week that Justin Fields, when he isn't under ridiculous pressure constantly, can uh, be effective in getting the ball to at least Darnell Mooney. Yeah. As an Allen Robinson fan, I say curse you for saying that. Um, and you know what? We don't have Darnell Mooney or Allen Robinson included in our five wide receivers. So there you go. I just ruined a teaser for us. Um, but let's let's get right to the give or take. Let's jump in at running back. Um, I've got five five names down here on the list. Give me a number and I'll pick that person. We'll start with him. Uh, so one to five then, number-wise? One to five. Well, number three. Number three. Ezekiel Elliott, who is, I believe, number four overall in PPR right now. Well, so everyone was really concerned earlier this year when Ezekiel Elliott was basically splitting touches with Tony Pollard. And realistically, he's he's still splitting touches with Tony Pollard. Pollard's just getting not as many touches as he had been. And Zeke has kind of like hid those numbers somewhat by the fact that he's actually performed very, very well the last three weeks. In week two, he had 16 touches, 71 yards, and a touchdown, plus a couple catches for 26 yards. Week three, he upped that to 95 yards rushing, two touchdowns against the Eagles. And then this past week, he absolutely exploded against the Panthers, who uh, uh, I'm a little shocked. I mean, the Panthers lost uh, J.C. Horn in their defensive backfield to injury. But did they lose a lot of other players on defense suddenly between weeks three and week four that they suddenly became incapable of stopping an offense? No, but there's, you know, a multitude of things there. It's, you know, it's a team sport, so you're not just always, yeah, you're losing one player, but how does that impact everything? And the other thing is, you know what, letdowns happen. Um, people have bad games. I was just as shocked as you were, quite honestly. 
but now, so, I mean, everyone talks about, they're thinking that Ezekiel is on the downturn of his career because he's played and he's had his three or four great seasons in the league. Uh, he's been in the league for six years, but he's only 26 years old. He, I mean, he's just barely halfway to 30. So, I mean, if 30 is the drop-dead year for running backs, he's still got four full seasons left to play in this league before he becomes a bail, 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 quick sell. I mean, And that's assuming he doesn't turn into a Frank Gore and just keep on playing or an Adrian Peterson and not want to ever retire. And there's something about Zeke's makeup which could put him in that type of role. I mean, he seems like the type of guy who wants to be out there. Even if he is underperforming, he still wants to be out there and, and run himself into people. So for me, I'm giving nor taking, honestly. I'm punting. If I own him, I'm going to be. I'm happy that he's performing right around where his ADP was, and I'm going to hope that he can keep it up because I'm probably not going to get what I feel his value is back in a return. So I'm just going to sit on him. I know that doesn't answer the question of give or take for a very first guy we're talking about, but if there's one on this entire list that I'm punting, it would be him. Well, here's something to look at with Zeke, though, too. His next three games are against teams ranked 20th and worse against the run. The Giants, the Patriots, they've got a bye in Week 7, then they face the Vikings coming out of the bye in Week 8. you got those three teams, all positive game scripts potentially for Zeke Elliott to perform well in. Then he goes into a little bit tougher competition for a little while. He does get, he does get a game against the Chiefs and Falcons in there, which are going to be easy. But the schedule in general gets a little tougher as the season progresses. So if you're talking about just redraft leagues and whatnot, I would ride him for the next couple weeks and then maybe look at trading him right out of the bye after he faces the Vikings. Uh, sell to your opponent or sell to your other team that he will be facing the Falcons and Chiefs coming up. Uh, if he continues to produce like he has over the last three weeks, you should be able to get a sizable return for Zeke and redraft only. Yeah, I'll agree with that. All right, let's, we're going to stay running back. We're going to knock all five of these out. So give me another number, one, two, four, or five. Well, let's go all the way to number one. Antonio Gibson of the Washington football team. Oh, does he still exist? He Well, not to his owners, he doesn't. Um, I'll tell you where I was going works. to say, if, if you read anything on Twitter this weekend, it, se- it seems like uh, everyone hates Antonio Gibson all of a sudden. And I mean, going into the season, I, am, I had him ranked as a top 12 dynasty running back. I believe I think I had him at number 10 overall. And, I mean, we knew last year, we saw him give up passing game plays to J.D. McKissick last year. So why anyone thought that wasn't going to happen this year astounds me. And why people still think that it, it, it shouldn't matter astounds me. J.D. McKissick is a thing. And... Washington is going to be in tight games, which means they're probably going to be passing the ball as they get closer to the end of the game a lot of times. And that means that McKissick will probably be on the field. So all that said, he has scored above 13 points in three of four weeks. Um, Only one week did he barely fail to get double digits. Um, I'll be honest, I'm I'm taken with Gibson because his owners are probably a little bit, you know, depressed and wishing that they had more from him, and if they can deal him, they'd probably be happy to do so. I think that he's a solid he's, – look, he ranked 16th right now, so you got a run, solid running back two who's got running back one upside, even with McKissick. Um, so, yeah, I'm taking when it comes to 
Mr. Gibson? Well, here's the thing with Mr. Gibson here, too. His schedule also gets progressively harder. This week he's facing the Saints. Uh, he's facing the Broncos in a couple of weeks. He's got the Buccaneers coming up. Uh, and, I mean, he's got games coming up against the Raiders, who have very good run defense this year, the Cowboys, who, who are horrible in pass defense, but very, very good against the run. Actually, two games against the Cowboys down the stretch. So you can kind of get him and, and basically sell to the other owner that the, the schedule coming up is not good for Gibson. Yep. So if you're in a redraft league, you might want to think a little twice about about buying him this year. But if you can get him at a discount, I'm probably taking him. But in a dynasty format, if you can get him at that same discount, oh, yeah, I'm buying Antonio Gibson right now. Yeah. I factored all that in um, when I made my decision to tell you that I'm going to take him because I think that the person that owns him is already looking at that and scared, sitting in a corner, rocking back and forth, you know, with his finger in his mouth. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm still I'm not moving off it. I'm going to take Antonio Gibson in a deal if I can get him. Okay, number two at running back. Number two, a guy I own zero shares of, um, Chase Edmonds. Ranks, get this, number 11 among running backs in PPR. How? He has scored 14.6, 12.5, 14.5, and 17.9 points for the past four weeks. Well, so for the first four weeks, he has 20 receptions, which is only six more than Derrick Henry. <laughs> <laughs> He's Derrick Henry like the, like the Mason Dixon line or something. Well, yeah, I mean, again, you don't associate Derrick Henry with catching passes. Obviously, he is this year. Uh, but, no, yeah, when... So you look at Chase Edmonds, you, you see that offense is a very good offense. You know that they, they kind of run that air raid type thing where they like to throw the ball a lot. Uh, that means that Edmonds should conceivably be on the field more frequently than James Conner. Well, the problem is Chase Edmonds is an afterthought inside the 20. That's when Conner goes into the game and he gets all of the work at the stripe. It's either Conner or Kyler Murray carrying the ball on himself. So, uh, again, with Edmonds... He only really has value in leagues that use PPR. And uh, from that standpoint, I mean, he's basically, you're, you're paying him like a running back two, when in effect he's basically an overpriced Naheem Hines or J.D. McKissick. Yep. And that is why I'm giving him in a deal. I'm going to cash in on him being a running back one. I'm playing it to the hilt. And, yep, he's, what, 26 receptions and... He's on pace for, what, over 100, basically. Yes, I'm giving Mr. Edmonds to anybody that wants to take him at this point. Well, you can really sell up the fact that he posted 12 carries for 120 yards against a very good Rams defense this past week yep. and use that as a good driving force to get rid of him. I, I really want no part of uh, no part of him. Again, you're, you're really you're, – you're, you're paying – you're going to get value for Edmonds – much, much above what he actually is. And then you can go out and sign a guy like McKissick uh, for a lot less cost. And let me let me say this. When, when I say I'm going to deal him, I'm not going to try and deal him for some big name. I'm going to try and split him, right? I'm yep. Because I probably drafted him as my running back three. So I'm going to try and get another running back, say, like McKissick or Kenneth Gainwell or something like that, and then hopefully upgrade my, my wide receiver two or three position. That's what my that is exactly how I look at it too. Okay, 
So there's number one, there's number two, and there's one number three. Who are we going to go with next? Number four or five? Most, and are you giving or taking? You're 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 giving him away, right? Oh, I'm I'm I am just happy to give him away if yep. I can. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, let's let's just go straight uh, next in line. Number four. Number four. I mentioned one of his running mates um, is Miles Sanders, who currently ranks thirty second which is shocking that he even ranks that high, having only had two carries in one game. Um, Kenneth Gainwell, for what it's worth, is ranked 25th. <laughs> well, you know what? It, it's hard to imagine a guy having less value right now than Miles Sanders. I mean, we talked a little bit about Antonio Gibson's hatred online this past weekend. Uh, Miles Sanders is, is basically, he's persona non grata to anyone that owns him right now. You can get Sanders, who For was Chase arguably Edmonds. a. I mean, in, in most rookie drafts a couple of years ago, he was either the number one or number two running back taken, and now he's really just kind of fizzled out. And, and the situation is, it's Philadelphia, and Philadelphia always has used and always will continue to use a running back by committee. It doesn't matter the talent levels of any of the players involved; they always do it. So. You're you're looking at him right now getting 10, 12 touches a week, and you think, uh, maybe I can flex him. And again, you drafted him, though. You drafted him as either your running back two or a very high running back three, and he hasn't even produced the running back three numbers yet. Uh, I, I'm giving him away for a song, and we consider the schedule coming up Panthers, Bucks, Raiders, Broncos, Saints, five teams in the next seven weeks absolutely rough against the run he's not going to do much in those games get what you can for him now even if it means selling for pennies on the dollar see and i'm going to tell you i think i'm taking him if i can flip a jamal williams a chase Edmonds type um even gainwell possibly um for him I think I would honestly I mean it can't stay this bad and maybe this is me just being blinded by the home team I don't know um, I will say I can't remember who it was I read on Twitter they said that um, it seems like Kenneth Gainwell has the Naeem Hines role in Nick Sirianni's offense and that makes sense um, but running back one should still have some value and they've got to well here's the Two question which one's the running back one I, I've liked more of what I've seen from Gainwell the last couple of weeks than I have from Sanders. Um, well, I think part of it comes from that offensive line's been slightly in shambles. I mean, you, you're without Lane Johnson this week. Jordan Look, four or five gone. starters are out right now? Yeah, so, I mean, and they've been switching sides and this, that, and the other, so none of that helps, and you've got a, a, an unseasoned. I, I hate when people call guys that have got more than one-year rookie quarterbacks, even though that's what he's kind of like with Jalen Hurts. An unseasoned quarterback that's still learning, and he's got legs, so he's going to take off a lot of times on his own. Um, I just, I think you can buy him cheap right now, and I would do that because I think there's still some upside there. Okay, well, who is our number five then? Our number five is James Jaguar Robinson. Oh, you mean? The guy who could have been rookie of the year last year and basically was had his job handed to someone else? Um, kind of. I, I might also be talking about Two-Face um, from the comics because in his first two weeks, sub 10 points. In his last two weeks, plus 20 points. Um, yeah, that guy. Well, in his defense, the first two weeks, 
for some reason or another, Urban Meyer was playing Carlos Hyde. I mean, why? Why was he playing Carlos Hyde? Carlos Hyde offers no upside whatsoever over James Robinson. I mean, I, I wouldn't even argue that James Robinson, uh, being younger than Carlos Hyde, that Hyde has more experience, maybe it's a better pass blocker, but he really isn't. Nope. <laughs> and what we've seen of Carlos Hyde in the past has been that he's just kind of that nice little change of pace back. So he's, he's not going to be someone that's going to uh, be a dominant pass blocker that they can come in there and play regularly. And, and James Robinson, uh, he looked every bit the part with an abysmal lineup of quarterbacks last year. I mean, they had Minshew in there at the start. They used Jake Luton, who's out of the league now. Uh, uh, that team was not good last year, and he was very, very good. The last two weeks, you'll notice James Robinson's getting the touches, and he's got 134 yards in week three with a touchdown, uh, 76 yards this past week with two touchdowns. And again, Jacksonville, yeah, they'll probably be playing from behind a lot. Yep. But they're, they've got some good games coming up on their schedule here. They face the Dolphins and the Seahawks uh, surrounding their bye in week six and eight. They've got the Falcons on the schedule, the Colts on the schedule, the Titans on the schedule. And here's their week 14, 15, and 16, where a lot of your leagues are having your playoffs. 14, 15, 16, Titans, Texans, Jets. That should sum it up right there. That's that's like a non-murderer's row of defenses against the run. James Robinson is going to be a league winner this year. I'm just getting him at whatever price possible, just so I can play him those three weeks. So we're on different sides of the coin here. All of what you said makes sense. It's a great argument. However, I can't help but say... Urban Meyer makes suspect decisions. You did not talk about one of those decisions in the news. You could have. He made the suspect decisions with Carlos Hyde early. I just, between the team and and Urban, I'm out. So if I can give him up and come back with a solid running back and an upgraded wide receiver or a tight end, if I can do that, I'm doing it. Well, here's the crazy thing. I'm even buying him in Dynasty right now because I guarantee you this. If they decide to go with Travis Etienne next season, more power to them. James Robinson is going to end up someplace as a running back one next year. Yeah, I can, I guarantee I can see that. It. Dynasty, I can see it, honestly. And you'd like to think they've got the quarterback of the future, so they're building. Yeah, I, I can see that. I just, for this year, numb out. How about this? James Robinson as the starting running back for the Houston Texans next year. Is Davis Mills still going to be their quarterback? God, I hope not. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on over to the wide receiver then. Give a number, one through okay, five. Okay, well, we started with one last. Uh, we didn't start with one, but we kind of worked our way down from one to five. Let's work our way up from five to one. So let's go five first. Number five is C.D. Lamb. Oh, talk about a guy who's underperformed the last couple of weeks. It, it And so... It's very interesting because you really thought with Michael Gallup out the last couple weeks and with Amari Cooper dinged up the last couple of weeks that CeeDee Lamb would just be a target hog and he may or may not do anything with those targets, but he'd still be targeted a lot. Instead, he's got a total of eight targets over the last two weeks. That's not going to cut it. 
No, I keep wondering if he and um, Cedric Wilson have switched jersey numbers or something. Wilson's only got six targets over the last two weeks, but he's outperformed him, and he's getting the touchdowns. Um, well, C.D. Lamb was a first-round pick, and Cedric Wilson likes to wear number one, so maybe they did. Hey, there you go. Um, so <laughs> as a C.D. Lamb owner, and trust me, when I, when I drafted him, it wasn't because I was like, oh, yeah, I want C.D. Lamb. It was like, ah, this is the best of what's left. I think he could wind up being a wide receiver one. Man, it's tough. So at this point, you would, I would like to say I'm out and I'm giving him, but I can't give him at the cost, so I'm, I'm going to have to – I'm going to punt. He's the one guy I'm going to punt on at wide receiver. I'm standing pat if I own him, and if I don't own him, I will try and take him. Well, now, in Lamb's case, uh, Gallup isn't scheduled to come back uh, week five, which means we won't see him until week six. Now, week five, the Dallas Cowboys are going to be facing the Giants, which means that either Cooper, if he plays and is fully healthy, or Lamb, will get shelled by James Bradbury. Now, what I think has been happening these last couple weeks is that Lamb has gotten a team's number one cornerback. And now you can speak a little bit to the Philadelphia secondary a little bit in week three. But I, I seem to remember they've added a decent uh, young cornerback uh, this year that has starting to look like a possible shutdown cornerback there, right? Um, you're not talking about Darius Slay. Well, I was talking about Darius Slay, uh, but not being a young cornerback. But there's someone else there I thought they added this year. Um, they signed Steven Nelson. He's been eh, serviceable, depending. But no, I mean, Slay's the one that's shutting people down in Philly. Yeah, so there's, there's at least a chance that Slay's shut down Lamb in week three. Uh, week four, uh, again, no Gallup. Uh, Cooper missed part of the game. It was the Panthers. Uh, again, like I said, they don't have J.C. Horn. They didn't have J.C. Horn this past week, but they still have a pretty decent secondary. They're like fourth against the pass. So I can see maybe a little shutdown there. Uh, their first two games were against the Chargers. I'm sorry, Chargers in week two. They've got a very good secondary. And, and really, Lamb's only blow-up game was week one. That was against the Buccaneers, who are abysmal in the secondary. They've actually gotten worse each week. They lost a couple more safeties this past week to injury. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, Lamb's matchups have been fairly tough so far through these first four weeks. So, I could see buying him just as... Because, you know what? Gallup's going to come back, and that may limit some of his targets more. But I think Gallup coming back... That offense still wants to throw the ball. So I think he's going to free up more space for Lamb to operate. Fair enough. So you're taking Lamb. I'm taking Lamb. Yeah, if I own him, I'm holding. But if I don't own him, I'm taking him too. All right. Okay, num- number four. Okay, number four. A guy we'll talk about later, I think, too. Mike Williams. Oh, so Mike Williams is an interesting subject. <laughs> I really wish that I would uh, I had bought more of Mike Williams this offseason. I I was so far down on Mike Williams coming into this year. I, I just he was my biggest miss of the offseason, I think. So absolute miss on my behalf. So as they say, sometimes the best trades are the trades <coughs> you don't make. Um, I had a multiplayer deal in Dynasty that I was working on this past summer, and they wanted a wide receiver, and I had two. And I was trying to sell Mike Williams instead of Curtis Samuel. And he insisted Curtis Samuel was, it was going to break the deal if, if he really wanted Curtis Samuel. So I reluctantly said, all right, 
I'll keep I'll keep Big Mike. Hopefully he'll live up to what I'm hoping that he can do, but I won't hold my breath too long. Thank goodness. Well, there's an interesting thing with uh, with Williams here. So uh, if you're looking for redraft uh, weeks 14, 15, 16 again the playoff weeks, he's facing the 20th ranked Giants defense, uh, where he won't be covered by James Bradbury because Bradbury will likely be on Keenan Allen. Week 15 he faces the Chiefs who are 27th ranked against the pass. Week 16, he faces the Texans, who are 23rd against the pass. But his first three games, in which he's absolutely done just phenomenal, were against a 26th-ranked Washington defense, a 30th-ranked Cowboys defense, and a 22nd-ranked Chiefs defense. His next one, two, three, four, seven, eight games, third-ranked Raiders defense, fifth-ranked Browns defense, eighth-ranked Ravens defense, bye week, sixth-ranked Patriots defense, Ninth-ranked Eagles defense, 19th-ranked Vikings defense, kind of thrown in there. Then the uh, Steelers, who are ranked 20th, but are actually better against the pass than that. And the Broncos are the seventh-ranked defense. So his schedule looks really, really tough coming up here. And I, as much as I liked him these first three weeks, I think in a redraft, I'm probably selling him right now because I, I, I don't think he's going to continue at this precipitous pace the rest of the way. Now, in Dynasty, I want to get part of him a little bit, but that's about it. Yep, I'm with you. I'm giving him. If I own him, I'm giving him right now, and I'm going to recoup hopefully a good payoff from that. But, yes, I'm looking to cash in on his overperformance so far year-to-date. And, obviously, we don't we don't know what's going to happen tonight still with uh, them facing Las Vegas. Again, Vegas is third against the pass so far this year. A little bit surprising. Yep. Okay, so you want to go to number three now, or do you want to pick a different number? No, number three at wide receiver. Jamar Chase. Another guy didn't buy enough of in rookie drafts this year. Uh, looks to be an absolute stud. He's got a, a just a great working relationship with his quarterback. Everyone was down in this preseason because of the drops, but so far this season, he's been targeted 25 times, and he has 17 catches. And what? That seems like a reasonable ratio. Three or four touchdowns. Four touchdowns, yeah. He actually didn't score this past week against the Jaguars, but that's because the Jaguars are really bad against slot receivers, and Tyler Boyd looked really, really good this week against them. Very true. Uh, so, I mean, he still posted six catches and 77 yards, which, again, from a uh, PPR standpoint, that's nearly 14 points. That That's certainly usable. Um, again, I wish I had more shares of him. He, he's he's right there. He's with, his, he's with his quarterback. They're both young. They're both going to grow together in that offense. Hopefully they get him some offensive line help next year so that he has time to get the ball. But Chase doesn't have to. Chase is not a guy who's usually going to run 50 yards down the field. He's going to be the Stefan Diggs. He's going to be the Adam Thielen. He's going to run like 10 to 14-yard uh, quick pass, catch the ball, run with it when he gets it type guy. So Yeah, so he's he ranks currently 13. If I own him, I probably have a hard time selling him. If I don't own him, I probably have a hard time paying up for what it will cost to get him. So I hate to say that it's a punt for me, but um, if I had to choose a side, I actually would say I'll take him. Um, and that's probably because I'm going to be in a spot where I really hurt at wide receiver. I want to get somebody I've got some upside with, and hopefully maybe the owner thinks, well, he is right there on the cusp, and this guy's going to offer me you know, Chase Edmonds, so why shouldn't I do this deal? I'm kidding, of course, but I think I'd be a taker on a Jamar Chase at this point. Well, and uh, again, if you are looking to buy him, you can sell to the owner. 
that six of the last nine teams he faced have a top 10 pass defense as of this point. Yeah. And you know what? Game script is going to help him too. I mean, they've got three wins in their first four weeks. I think they may be lucky to get three to four more wins the rest of the way. Um, they're not a good team. They've played well so far this year, but I don't think that they're a complete enough team to win seven, eight games. So, game And they might be without Joe Mixon for the next couple of weeks, too. And, and that's possible, too. But, yes. So I think game script's always going to be in his favor. So, yeah, um, give me him in a trade. I'll take him. Okay, number two at the wide receiver position. Number two, the number one wide receiver in the land, Devont. Oh wait, no, it's not Devontae Adams. The number one wide receiver in the land, Deion. Oh no, wait a minute, not him either. Um, the number one wide receiver so far year to date, Cooper Cup. Oh my God, uh, Cooper Cup, what a player! Uh, I've I've always loved Cooper Cup as as a player, uh, mainly because I I love point per reception league play. And he was always that guy who was not afraid to go across the middle of the field and, and get a five-yard catch and maybe like have like eight or nine catches for like 60 yards. I and mean, we're talking the Cole Beasley types of the world, the, the guys who really earn their paycheck each week. They're, they're putting their bodies on the line with safeties coming in really hard, trying to slam them to the ground after catching it. Well, Cooper Cup has taken that, and he's still doing that, but now he's also getting all the touchdown love there. Now, some of that was because Gerald Everett isn't there, and I think that some of Gerald Everett's missing targets are going to Cooper Cup. But what we've really seen is just Matthew Stafford basically keying in on Cup. Well, plus now, you don't have Robert Woods, you don't have Top. Oh, <clears throat> never mind. Yes, those guys are still there. Go ahead. I, I felt bad about, uh, about Robert Woods not performing so well this year. I do have a lot of shares of him, too, though. But even last week in a, in a game that Cup didn't perform. He still was targeted 13 times. And the Cardinals really did a pretty good job of bracketing him, which I did not expect. I, I thought Cup was going to be primed for a huge game this past week. But here's what I'm going to say about that. I watched the game, and go ahead and watch some more of the footage of that Rams game against the Cardinals from yesterday, and tell me that there wasn't something wrong with the mechanics of Matthew Stafford yesterday. He was throwing the ball almost from like a three-quarters arm position. And this is the type of thing that's like a, a serious mechanical flaw. And he was doing it pretty much the entire game. And I haven't seen that from him at all this year. So it'll be interesting to see next week against uh, the Seahawks if he's still throwing the ball. It, it almost it looked like he wasn't just, just wasn't getting his shoulder fully up. Hmm. That's something good to take a look at. So are you gonna, you giving him or are you taking him? Oh, I, I still want him. Uh, again, his schedule down the stretch is just hilariously good. Uh, he gets the uh, the Texans, the Lions, the Titans, the Packers, the Jaguars, the Cardinals again, the Seahawks, and the Vikings. I mean, just the juicy lineup for for passing offenses. Again, I'm I'm definitely looking to take him, but I, again, I want to see one more game and just make sure that there isn't something wrong with the shoulder or the upper arm on Matthew Stafford, because if there is, that would make him a huge sell right now at this point, because if you lose Matthew Stafford, uh, I'm trying to think who their, is their backup still uh, Blaine Gabbert there? Um, goodness, I don't even remember. And there's so many poor backups this year, it's not even funny. Um, i got to be honest with you, though. He's number one. If 
I'm giving him. I mean, he's got to come back with somewhat of a haul. And they're like, why do you want to sell him? Um, I just don't have really good luck. And with me, with my luck, if I keep him, he's going to wind up getting hurt next week. So I'd rather try and get another wide receiver, couple wide receivers for him. And, hey, if he doesn't get hurt, then you're making out on this deal. I don't just He's going to wind up probably finishing as a wide receiver one, but I don't know he's going to finish as the wide receiver one. So if I can cash in on that value, I'll take that to the bank. Yeah, if you if you can get a top ten running back for him right now, I would definitely do that. So that's a giveth. Okay, and we have we have one more wide receiver, right? Debo Samuel, oh. <laughs> number three. I was going to say. Go ahead. Number, he's number three overall among wide receivers. He has two 30-plus point bookends from week one and four, strengthening his hold on the number three slot. Well, um, I mean, he looked pretty good with Trey Lance under center this week. Yeah, so this is an easy one for me. I'm giving. I'm not buying Debo at that price. I'll definitely give him and get what I can for him being a top five wide receiver. Well, I think even to this point, we haven't seen Trey Lance have a full week of practice throwing the ball to both Debo and George Kittle and to Brandon Ayuk. So, yes, Debo has outperformed both of those other two this year. But, again, at some point, maybe as early as this week, We'll be seeing starting quarterback Trey Lance for the San Francisco 49ers, and he will have a full week of practice, and then we'll see what the real breakdown is. Now, the schedule uh, for the San Francisco team is actually pretty good. Weeks 14 through 17 are all very easy. Bengals, Falcons, Titans, Texans. He's got the Seahawks, Vikings, Jaguars. Another game against the Cardinals, a game against the Colts, a game against the Bears. So it's a very, very juicy schedule for wide receivers the rest of the way. So he could conceivably perform, but again, we really don't have that full proof in the pudding of what, what's going to happen with Trey Lance under center for an extended period of time. Again, he looked good this past week, but I want to see at least one or two more games before I decide to start buying him. So at this point, I think he's still a sell for me. Okay. So we're going to move over to tight end, and I'll start off since I know the transition, since I know who the, the players are here. Um, let's go to number two, which is George Kittle, since we were just talking about Kittle and Debo and the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I want to sum this up real quick on my end. If I own him, I can't afford to give him away. And if I don't own him, I'm not paying what it's going to cost to get him because you're paying on his past history, not what he's looking like so far this year. So he's my punt at the tight end position. What is I got to say about George Kittle? He has been battling two or three different injuries, including a calf injury the last two weeks. He still has 20 targets. <laughs> okay. Again, half that time has been with Trey Lance. Half that time has been with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, he, he was basically written off going into the season. Him and Mark Andrews were both written off as falling into that next tier of tight end. Uh, they were expect, everyone was expecting TJ Hawkinson and Kyle Pitts to pass him, pass both of them, and... Uh, uh, well, Hawkinson started out hot. He's kind of underperformed now, and Pitts really hasn't quite reached his prime yet. But, again, the schedule, the 49ers we just talked about with Debo is very, very nice. 
but I really want to see what's going to happen going forward with Trey Lance under center. Now, again, we, we've seen the last two weeks that Kittle is producing no matter who's under there. It doesn't matter if he's hurt, as long as he doesn't sustain a major injury like previous seasons. Um, I, I would take him, and I'd take him. I mean, if you look at the DFS sites right now, uh, he's at 5,900 on DraftKings. Basically, he's dipped below the 6,000 mark there. Uh, that says to me that they don't have any confidence in him, which is crazy. This is still the dynasty number three or four tight end. I, I will gladly buy the dip on Kittle. Just like I said, hopefully people don't realize that he's got 20 targets the last two weeks. Gotcha. Okay, you want to go number one or number three? Let's go number one. Kyle Pitts. Oh, of course, we just talked about Kyle Pitts, so it makes some sense that we'd roll on to him. Uh, Kyle Pitts is – I love Kyle Pitts. The guy's got so much talent. For some reason, they're not using him quite like they should. He's getting targets, but there's just something wrong with that Atlanta offense as a whole when neither Kelvin Ridley nor Kyle Pitts – is dominating like they should be in this situation here. Particularly, we see them, Matt Ryan goes out there and he, he has a good game, but they both have pedestrian lines. What's going on with that? Well, he's no quarter up Patterson. Um, so here's how I work this for, for Mr. Pitts. One, I wasn't in on him preseason because I felt that he was at his ceiling with where he was being drafted. <clears throat> yeah. I'm probably working another trade, and I'm probably working it so that I know that it's just not going to work. And I'll say, you know what? Why don't we do this? If you throw in pits, I'll throw this and this in. Then that's how I'm saying I'll take pits. I think you can work him in. If you go straight for him, you're not going to get him because they're going to want his his draft capital back. Okay? Um, and if I own him, I'm not selling him. So I am going to take him, but I'm going to try and work it to where he's part of a throw-in deal, like where I'm just trying to make something work versus make it look like he's my actual target. And again, when you think about the serious question marks across the tight end position this season, there's a lot of question marks. I mean, we lost another guy, Logan Thomas, to injury this past week. So, I mean, if you can get pits for a reasonable price, I think you... It looks like you're buying low, but uh, the owners that have pits, again, they, they drafted them way too high. Yeah. And they'll be probably more than willing to sell based on his performance so far. And I think you can get a good deal on him. Now, okay. the lineup, the schedules for him doesn't look as great as some of the other tight ends. But, again, sooner or later, they're going to start featuring him and getting him more involved in the offense. And that is only going to improve his value. Yep. I don't disagree on that point. Um, last one is number three on this list is Dawson Knox, who ranks number five overall among tight ends right now. And he's had four solid weeks, eight points, 8.1, 9.7, then 14.9. And this week, of course, he had the two touchdowns, so 20.7 points. Well, I hope people were listening last week when I had him as my sleeper tight end in our DFS segment, told everyone to play him well. There he is, uh, two, tight, uh, two touchdowns last week. Uh, he only has 15 catches this year, but four of them have been for touchdowns. That's amazingly efficient. That's almost Robert Tunyon-esque in, in stature, which means that it's not going to continue. Uh, unfortunately, in the case of Dawson Knox, there's a lot of weapons in that Buffalo passing game. Yep. 
Stephon Diggs has been kind of ignored a little bit in the red zone, which is kind of odd considering he's such a, a dominant red zone target. Uh, Cole Beasley, as we mentioned, had a horrible game this past week in a game he should have absolutely exploded in. With the weather being bad in, in Houston, I figured there was done a lot of short passes to him, but he wasn't really involved a whole lot. And, and also, last year they kind of used a little bit of John Brown, who was hurt part of the year last year. Gabe Davis was kind of a developing prospect last year. Now they've got Emmanuel Sanders to be that third wide receiver role. With those three quality wide receivers in front of Dawson Knox on the supposed target list, this touchdown rate just doesn't seem like it's going to continue. So I would gladly sell the fact that he scored four touchdowns in the last three weeks. Again, people are desperate at tight end right now. We're talking more desperate than any other season, I feel, in terms of tight end. So you, you might be able to trade Dawson Knox for Kyle Pitts right now. You might be able to, and yes, I would do that in a heartbeat. Oh, sign me up. Yep. <laughs> All right, so there you go. There's our giveth and taketh segment. And now we are going to run over to the DFS segment, which we may have to run through at eight times speed because we have gone very long. Let's see if we okay. can get finished close to that hour time frame. Um, set the over-under. Oh, boy. Over-under for this week is going to be... You know, there's a lot of better talent to work with this week. Last week was really tough. So the number is going to be a little bit lower this week. I'm going to go with four. I'll take the over. I probably shouldn't, but I'll take the over. All right, start us off. I'm going to pay up for Kyler Murray, highest-priced quarterback on the slate. Uh, Arizona versus San Francisco. San Francisco has given up two quarterback rushing touchdowns already. Murray trails only Patrick Mahomes among quarterbacks in total touchdowns going into Monday night's game. So, again, if you're going to pay up, you might as well pay up for the best. He did good against the Rams last week. I didn't think he would. If he can do good against the Rams, he's going to do really good against the 49ers. We have a match. Who are you staying away from? This was hard for me. I actually like a lot of the quarterbacks in the higher price range this year, this this year, this week. I'm going to stay away from Jalen Hurts. Match number two. Uh, uh, Philadelphia, Carolina. It's simply a case of this is the toughest matchup among the highest priced options. Yep. Hurts isn't a bad play at seven thousand on DraftKings, but he's only four hundred dollars cheaper than Kyler on FanDuel at eighty one hundred. Uh, Dak Prescott threw for four touchdowns last week against Carolina, but in, in the process of doing that, he was the third of four quarterbacks to finish with fewer than two hundred passing yards against Carolina. Ironically, the only quarterback to pass for more than 200 yards against them this year was Zach Wilson in week one. Yeah, no, it's a good match right there. I, I looked at him too, and just I don't know that you could be comfortable with Hurts, especially if you take his legs away. Um, and I think Carolina's, it's in Carolina. Look, they're not going to be happy coming off that loss, like Philly will be, but still, um, I think that that's a safe stay away. Who's your value play at quarterback? This was tough. Again, there's a lot of players I really like. I'm going to go way down the, the docket, though, to Jacoby Brissett. He's 5,200 on DraftKings, 6,300 on FanDuel. It, it's plain and simple. You cannot run the ball against Tampa Bay. And we know for a fact that Miami is going to be playing from behind in this game. Should mean lots of volume for Brissett. Tampa's allowed an average of 330 passing yards per game. They've given up a league worst, 11 passing touchdowns. So, believe it or not, my first name I wrote down was Mac Jones. I like Mac Jones this week, too. Then my second name I wrote down was Jacoby Brissett. 
Actually, I didn't write down Jacoby Brissett. I wrote JB down. <laughs> and so I crossed out Mac Jones. Then I crossed out Jacoby. And I went to Daniel Jones for New York, but a little higher price. And I was like, no, that's not, I can't do that. So I crossed him out. And then I wrote down 4.0. I went back to 4.0 grade point average Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. And I crossed him out again. I went back. <laughs> so we have a sweep because I landed on Jacoby Brissett. <clears throat> wow. That's going to challenge the over really quickly there. I was a little surprised by that. I, so I did like, I like Mac Jones a lot this week. Uh, I, I'm not buying Daniel Jones yet. I, if he would have been part of the buy sell uh, segment, I would have been gladly selling him because I do not trust him. <laughs> there's, not a, yeah. there's not a quarterback I won't sell. So that's why that point that would have been a pointless segment for me. Um, all right, head on over to running back. Who are you paying up for? Well, again, I'm going to go right up to the top there with Derrick Henry, 9,000 on DraftKings, 10-4 on FanDuel. Derrick's averaging just under 160 combo yards per game. And Jacksonville's allowing 126 combo yards per game. Plus, they've allowed the league's second most total running back touchdowns behind only Detroit. We have four straight matches. Um, I think it was Rich Rebar that pointed out that Derrick Henry has the fourth most running back touches all time through four games. And is the first running back since Mark Ingram in 2014, I think, to have 30 touches in three consecutive games. Now, before we move on from pay to play, I, I would also uh, suggest that there's a, other high-priced running backs I really, really like this week. Uh, Delvin Cook, if he's given the full clear to play the entire game this week, he did come back into its facing Detroit. Yep. Detroit's the only team that's given up more touchdowns than Jacksonville to the running back position. Uh, Elvin Kamara, his price is still low. He had the most total carries that he's ever had in a game last week. But he didn't get targeted at all. We talked a little bit about that earlier. Now he's facing a team in Washington that has been absolutely abused by pass catching backs over the last three weeks. So if New Orleans is smart and they watch their footage, they should use Alvin Kamara in the passing game, and he should be very, very effective. Tony Jones is out for the foreseeable future, which means that uh, Ty Montgomery will probably be the backup this week, and he's certainly capable of catching passes. But uh, I, I think that Kamara is going to get the pass-catching role back this week and perform really, really high. So we, we have the match there. Um, we're not going to have a match on our stay away um, because I started with Alvin Kamara and then I went to Austin Eckler and then I went back to Alvin Kamara. I, maybe I'm just still putting too much weight into what I think the Washington defense should be and they're at home. So I'm expecting them to rebound and I'm like going, Hey, what the heck did you do there with Kamara? Like you could feed him the ball, but he needs to catch some passes. Uh, so I just, at that price, I figured I'm safer staying away from him, and that way I can get Derrick Henry and some other guys in my lineups. Well, again, I think if you look at just the running numbers and you don't remember that Elvin Kamara actually is a pass-catching back, yep. that, yes, the Washington defensive line looks scary. But, yeah, Washington has just been trounced by pass catchers the last couple of weeks. So if New Orleans is smart, they'll throw the ball to Mr. Kamara this week and – it's, it's a perfect situation for him there. Uh, the player I'm staying away from, uh, I had to go down a little bit to Najee Harris. Uh, basically, Pittsburgh at home versus Denver. Uh, sooner or later, teams are going to start stacking the box and forcing Ben Roethlisberger to beat them because 
Roethlisberger is clearly washed. Yep. Uh, only one team is allowing fewer rushing yards per game than Denver. No team has allowed fewer total yards to opposing running backs. And, you know, you just can't expect 19 targets or 11 targets to continue for Harris. Sooner or later, I mean, Chase Claypool is going to be healthy again soon. Uh, they got Deontay Johnson back. Juju played through a, a couple of little small injuries this past week. There's other weapons there. Now, again, whether or not Ben can throw to them is another question. But if I'm the defense right now and I'm Denver, I'm putting an extra man in the box and saying, okay, Ben beat us. Okay. Who is your value play? I think we're going to match here. Interesting. My value play is Damian Harris, the Patriots at Houston. Ramondre Stevenson has been stuck in the doghouse since his first touch of the season. J.J. Taylor joined him with a fumble last week. James White's out for the year with an injury. This leaves Damian Harris and Brandon Bolden. Bolden has been used more in the passing game than Harris, but Harris has actually seen a slight uptick in pass targets recently. It it won't matter since New England won't have to pass the ball to beat Houston. They'll just run the ball the entire game. So Harris is in for a big game. So Harris was the first name I wrote down, but I crossed him out. Um, I decided to move down the list a little bit further. I I was shocked that this guy was priced where he was. Um, At home, he's facing a team that is currently, what what are they giving? Let's see. Let's check real quick. Um, Second most points to running backs so far this season, Leonard Fournette. Oh, yeah. I, I think I kind of, like, I looked at him, and I, I'm not sure what the situation is with Gio Bernard. And that kind of held me back a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. But at 5200 bucks against that, I still think that he's a solid play. Yeah, I, I would agree with that there. Again, 5200 bucks on DraftKings. A little higher at 6400 on FanDuel, but uh, definitely he's outperformed Ronald Jones this year, at least there, so... I like what they're using him for. Again, Miami's not very good against the run. They're also pretty bad against pass-catching rushers. So, again, if Gio Bernard is out again next week, then Fournette makes a great play. Okay. Wide receiver, who are we paying up for? Uh, You know, I've been going across the board so far. I've paid up for the highest-priced guys. I'm going to pay up for Devontae Adams this week. Uh, Green Bay is at Cincinnati. Cincinnati has struggled with big-bodied wide receivers that like to travel all over the field. Guys like Chase Claypool, Adam Thielen, uh, Ellen Robinson, uh, LaVisca Chenault last week. Guys that are like 6'2 and above that don't just stay in one place. Now, again, when you get a big, tall guy like Mike Williams who just stays on one side of the field and runs vertical routes, and that's all he does, that, that type of player Cincinnati has been okay with. But guys who like move around, try to get good matchups against the second and third cornerbacks for Cincinnati have done very, very well. Uh, Aaron Rodgers will probably force feed Devontae after a game that Adams had like a bad stat line. He actually had enough targets. I think he had 11 targets, but he only caught like six of them. And it, it was just not, it was a non Adams line this past week. So we have our over um, Devontae Adams. It is for me too. It just, it feels like, remember I said Tyreek Hill was due for one of those. Yeah. Well, I feel like Devontae Adams is in that same spot. I know being due is like momentum and all that kind of stuff, but it's also a very good matchup. So, yes, I'm paying up for Devontae Adams. Well, and so I I had a hard time with my pay down here. because I did not. Not at all. 
I, I looked at the top, and there was a couple guys that I thought had tougher matchups, but I didn't hate them. Uh, I didn't hate Terry McLaurin, uh, even though he might get Marshawn Lattimore. Lattimore has gotten burned the last two weeks. So I kind of like, yeah, you can't really do that. I thought about staying away from uh, DJ Moore going against Philadelphia and Slay. And like, well, Philadelphia's given up some points the last two weeks, and DJ Moore has just been, you know, he's basically been the second best wide receiver in football this year behind Cooper Cup. Uh, so I really just kept going down the list. It's like, I don't mind him. I don't mind him. There's one guy that, that's in the top uh, top 20, though, who has zero chance of doing anything this week. And that's Brandon Cooks at home versus New England. <laughs> Every single high-end price wide receiver has a solid matchup. Uh, a couple of them are injured, so I kind of wrote them off. That doesn't really matter. Uh, New England showed last week against Tom Brady that they can still shut down very good passing offenses. Well, Houston isn't a very good passing offense. Davis Mills is awful with very little additional talent to worry about guarding. I can't imagine Bill Belichick not putting three, three defenders on Cooks the entire game. So we don't have a match. I did put DJ Moore as my stay away. I honestly think that Slay can hold him in check. Now, what, in, what does in check mean? Yeah, two times value, but I don't know if you're going to see three to four times value from him. Um, I think it's a Robbie Anderson kind of week. So, but believe it or not, Robbie's not my value play. Um, but that, those two things led me to one. You know, you look at where Philly can be beat, and it's I think with some of those speedsters and stuff. I just think that Slay can lock him down enough that I wouldn't feel comfortable playing. He was he was definitely the one of the few high price guys I considered as my stay away. Gotcha. All right, who's your value play? This is going to be tough. <coughs> I think we're going to match yes, that. You think we're going to match on this? I do. Okay. My value play is LaVisca Chenault, Jacksonville versus Tennessee. Chenault led the Jaguars in every receiving category last week after DJ Chark left with an injury. Uh, meanwhile, Tennessee, they've allowed the most yards and the most receiving touchdowns to opposing wide receivers. Uh, this is a Chenault week. Again, we're talking about wide receivers that stay in one spot. That's Marvin Jones. Chenault is going to be moving all around the field. He's going to give him some good matchups against some of the secondary and third uh, cornerbacks for Jacksonville and um, for Tennessee, and he's going to go off again this week. Well, we have a match. Um, I wrote one other name down, but there's no way I was going to say him as my play because he's more of a feel than an actual belief. But keep an eye on Will Fuller. <laughs> is he? I was going to say, is he actually going to play? I thought he broke his finger. Oh, if he did, I missed that. That's my bad. Um, so then, good thing I didn't write him down. Go with Devontae Parker then in that game. No, I, I just I liked Fuller. Well, whatever. Okay, there you go. I missed something, guys. Uh, not like I haven't missed something before, but yeah, no, I I did read that Fuller uh, broke a finger. I don't think he's been ruled out yet, but uh, I assume he's if he does play, he's probably going to be limited. Certainly, they don't need him to play this week. Jalen Waddles look very good. Devontae Parker's look very good. They've got depth at the position behind those three. So I expect that uh, if he needs to sit, they'll be just fine without him. Nope. Looks like they did rule him out. Um, hand injury. So he they will be without him. So there you go. Take, take it with a grain of salt. I was wrong. <laughs> but we matched LaVisca, so it doesn't matter. Okay. We are over our hour. Over, over. So we're in overtime, like the, the, the two New York teams. Um, we're, we hit our over. 
and we've got to finish the tight end position. Who are you paying up for? I think I know your answer at tight end this week. Well, so this week's tight end DFS is a little bit shaky. Uh, of the top, that's being nice. Ten, of the top ten price guys, two are likely to miss the game due to injury: Gronkowski and Logan Thomas. Uh, that leaves you with eight uh, in the top ten that are worth playing. Kittle's dinged up. Uh, Darren Waller, we're, we're just seeing him play tonight. Uh, he's got a tougher matchup. Uh, George Kittle is dinged up, as I mentioned. I'm going to pay up for Dalton Schultz. That seems like a cheat. It does, because, I mean, he's 4,400, but he's 6,200 on FanDuel, which is kind of high. That's the uh, one, two, three, fourth highest priced player on FanDuel at tight end. But he's been absolutely lights out the last couple of weeks. And, and they're facing a New York Giants team that's allowed a tight end score in every single game so far. But what you want to know what's weird about that? All four tight ends to score against the Giants have been the number two tight end. So the best hope for Dalton is that Blake Jarwin officially gets to start and gets his name announced as the starter and have Dalton Schultz actually be the guy that gets the touchdown this week. Yeah. Um, no, we match. We match. Um I looked at it. it's just it's, you were very kind. It's a it's a mess at tight end. Also, we might we might match at the stay away then too because I, I'm staying away from Darren Waller. He's the highest priced guy he's facing Chicago. Yep. So, over the last three weeks, Chicago has allowed a total of eight catches and 65 yards to the position. They're absolutely brutal against wide receivers, but they've actually been very very good at stopping opposing tight ends. And it's not like they faced like crap tight ends. The last three weeks, they faced T.J. Hawkinson, C.J. Uzoma, and the combination of David Njoku and Austin Hooper uh, from Cleveland. So they've actually faced decent tight ends, but they've just completely shut them down. So we have a match. I wrote down two names. I wrote down Kittle first, crossed him out, said I got to go with the guy that's um, $1,700 more, and Waller's the guy that I landed on to stay away from. Now we might match a value play too here. I, I was going to say there's a very good chance I think we could match it the value play. I actually had somebody I was interested in didn't write his name down. Actually, I did write his name down. I crossed him out and I went back to somebody else. Um, go ahead, tell us, tell me who we're matching with to get to nine tonight. I am stacking my value play quarterback and my value play tight end. I'm going to roll out Mike Gesicki against Tampa Bay. Opposing tight ends are averaging seven catches and sixty yards with three total touchdowns against Tampa Bay this year. Over the last three games, Gesicki is tied for the tight end lead in receptions. He is second among all tight ends in targets, and he's third in tight end receiving yardage. And people don't know this because he plays on a team captained by Jacoby Brissett right now, but he's been getting all of the attention from Brissett since Tua went down with the injury. Great matchup. His price is still cheap enough that I consider him a value. So, no, we're not going to match, but I'm going for a guy that's even cheaper. Um, I think he's a little underpriced. The fact that there's some injuries in the offense helps. Um, Sterling Shepard's out. Evan Ingram looks like he can still be valuable. He's three, $3,200 on DraftKings, I believe. Um, that's who I'm going to plug in as my value play. I thought you might have been going Jonu. I wrote Jonu down. I kind of like Jonu this week also, um, but I, I didn't like him as much as Ingram because I think Ingram easily gets seven – Six, seven, eight targets this week. Well, one guy that I like as price two in that same range, I didn't actually research him that closely, mainly because I watched the game yesterday. And uh, Cameron Brait's only 3,300. Gronk probably not going to play. Now, Brait didn't have a lot of stats last night, 
but a lot of that was because the ball was wet and Tom Brady was throwing the ball kind of weird all, all night long. It was a very weird night for him throwing, much like Matthew Stafford. But a lot of those errant passes were errant passes heading towards Cameron Braid, or at least in the general direction of Cameron Braid. We know in the past that those two have had a cold blood connection in the red zone. At 3,300, uh, I love him to score a touchdown this week. Again, Miami, double tight end, double tight end stack at that Miami-Tampa Bay game this week. How about that? Nah, I can't get on board with that. Um, no, I see the <laughs> argument for it, though, but I can't get on board with a double tight end stack. Not going to happen. However, just because I disagree with Harley doesn't mean that I won't tell you that you should follow him on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. Then you can debate him on if you think that's a valid you know, way to go. Um, or you can always reach out to me and tell me that I was right or wrong or give me more updates about Will Fuller at Steve Gallo NFL. Or you can just subscribe to the huddle and check out our injury report and all the other things we have, and then you won't miss stuff like I do. Um, and then I guess, you know what, like every other week, I'm just going to say, get folks responsibly. Cheers. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.